Hello and welcome to another segment of A Blind Argument. You're with Ryan Honshuten and Davinia Lafroy. Yes, Is that right? that's yeah. right. Oh, yeah. good. Oh, good. I'm glad I got something right this week. We're here today to talk about communication and advocacy. But before we do that, we'll just quickly uh, go over what we've talked about in the last couple of episodes. I know we touched uh, a lot on your uh, expectations as parents, as your children. Very important. Mm-hmm. We did. Yes, very good. Very important to have high expectations for your children. But not uh, so high that they can't reach them. Oh, of course. I mean, you know, you, you don't want that skyhook that high that you've got to keep jumping for it and never reach it. Don't um, have it too low, though, either. No, because you don't want to make it too easy, do you? No. No. Then we talked about public transport and, you know, the ideas around catching public transport. When should you let your child start catching public transport? How to do it safely. How to do it securely. A little few tips there, bits and pieces. And uh, so, of course, if people want to get in touch with us, the best way is to contact us via email, and that's at info at visibility.com.au. Info, I-N-F-O, at visibility.com.au. And that way we will talk about the things you actually want to hear about rather than just the things that we come up with. Yeah, that's right. We generally sit around the uh, morning tea table with a a scone and a a bit of cream and a coffee and we throw things around and whatever lands in the uh, the cream is what we talk about, isn't it? It certainly is. And today the cream is all about communication. Communication, quite important, um, I believe, this day, these day and age. Yeah, yeah, very important. We have to know how to communicate, although I find I was away on the weekend with a lot of children and um, let's just say some of their communication skills were a little bit funny to watch because they talk to each other a lot during the week mm-hmm. on a lot of social media apps. But when they actually got together together on the weekend, there wasn't much talking happening at all. In fact, it was really hard to encourage them to go hang out together. But anyway. So that's a great example, isn't it? That communication isn't just talking, but we can communicate in lots of different ways on different kind of media. But I guess we're probably going to talk mostly today about face-to-face communication Is that right? Absolutely. So you and I, we're a little bit, uh, I guess it's a bit difficult at the moment because we're in the studio sharing this one microphone. But Mm. if we're in the lunchroom, say today, lunch table, and you were talking to me and Mm. I wasn't facing towards you, I was actually facing the other way or my voice was coming from a different direction, you know, not towards you, how would you feel as a person? I think socially we've been socialised to look at each other and to face each other both with our face and our upper torso, but if we were standing also with the lower part of ourselves as well, it's it's part of connecting, not necessarily being face to face, but certainly orientating yourself or aligning yourself to the other person, indicating that you're interested by moving, moving, it, mm, moving, moving yourself towards them. Repositioning yourself. Mm-hmm, mm. Exactly. Is it important? Well, that's perhaps what we need to discuss. I think you feel from previous conversations that we have that it's maybe more important than I feel. Because I feel it's important that if I'm talking to someone and that person's not necessarily facing me, um, and look, and I understand there are situations where, for example, if you're driving with someone and you're the passenger, I don't want that driver to be facing me. I prefer them to look straight ahead and drive. (laughs) But if we're sitting in a restaurant or at a table or in my house or anything like that, if the person's not doing anything, you know, if they're not cooking or they're not doing anything that's taking their attention away, I do feel rather uncomfortable when they're not facing towards me. I mean, they don't have to be facing directly at me, but if they're not, their voice isn't projecting from them towards myself, if that makes sense. Sure. And do you assume that that's, they're interested 
if they are facing you? Is that, do you think that that's the basis of why you want them? I don't think I assume that they're interested in me. I feel more like they're interested in me. I get that feeling that they're connecting with me and they're actually interested in what I'm talking about or what we're talking about. Mm. And like I say, I mean, I am aware that, you know, if someone's cooking and I'm having a chat to them while they're in the kitchen or or if I'm cooking, that you can't exactly be cooking at the stove and mm. turn your back on the stove and cook with your hands behind your back, although I, I could try. Um, but it does make it a little bit difficult. So, yes, there are times when you can't physically turn and talk to someone, but if you're having a really good in-depth conversation, I do feel that the person is more engaged and more more interested in me when they're facing towards me. Yeah, it's definitely a way of showing someone that you're interested and you want to keep talking to them. And I think broadly speaking, most of us have been socialised to assume that. So I guess that's a, a great first tip when you start to communicate. If you can't see where someone is, try and find out by hearing where their voice is coming from by asking if you need to, just asking kind of where's the best place to sit, where should you orientate to, just try and sense which way you need to look for you two to have a really good communicative conversation. What about you? Do you feel it's important that if I was talking to you at the lunch table that I face you? Well, it's interesting. I, I Philosophically, I don't. In practice, I do. And just to explain that, I started my early part of my life with uh, perfectly good eyesight. So I think like most other people, I I learned to believe that people should be looking at me and facing me when they're talking to me. Um, so I certainly do that. That's just natural that I start to do that. But if you can't see at all, I can see why if you can't see, you wouldn't get the same visual feedback. And so you wouldn't feel as that it is as important to look at that other person. All I can hear right now in my uh, head is my mum saying to me, look at me when I'm talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So we're we're taught to do this. But I can see that if you've never had any sight or if you've lost your sight quite early and you're not getting that visual feedback, I sympathise with the point of view that maybe if if there's nothing in it for you, why would you do it? But I guess what we're here to say is that a lot of people do expect it and they like it and they desire it. So if you want to be... more desirable in a conversation, I'd suggest that you do try and and face. So if you're a parent um, coming from their point of view and you've Mm. got a child who's vision impaired, Mm. do you think it's good for that parent to, uh, starting at a younger age, start to encourage their child to face towards the conversation, to face towards the person they're talking to? I'd suggest a step back from encouragement and more a conversation about it. So I'd be just giving them the facts just like we are now and saying, you know, a lot of people expect it. So maybe you want to do that if you don't want to do it. That's okay too, but there could be some consequences of that, i.e. people might assume that you're disengaged, not interested and not wanting to talk to them. So I'd be saying this is the socially acceptable normal thing to do, your choice whether or not you you choose to now do try that. and have that conversation with a three-year-old. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> there's some really advanced three-year-olds out there. There is, yes. I was one of them. Of not. course you were. Um, I assumed that. Yeah. So it, I guess it is important for a parent to start working on those sort of skills and, you know, ensuring that their child, I guess it's another tool, isn't it, in their Mm. toolbox? Absolutely. You know, to have that tool and when they've got their friends in school, in the classroom or out in recess, lunch and all that, um, if they do want to stay engaged with those those people, that group of people, if they could, Mm. you know, sit and whenever someone else new in the group's talking, they can Mm. face towards that person um, and, and, you know, physically turn their head and body, which shows, yes, I'm interested in this conversation. Yes, Mm -hmm. I want to stay a part of it. Yeah, and I think that's... 
that's important because very often as people with a disability, we can be marginalised, we, we can be excluded, sometimes not because people mean to do that, but because we're not picking up on things mm. that are happening around us. So you really showing in your body language and your alignment that you're interested and you want to be involved is going to really help to mitigate that. Excellent. Very good. Advocacy. Okay. Hmm. I was working with a young girl earlier this year and a little eight-year-old, and one of the things she said to me, is it all right to ask for help? I'd say yes. What would you say? I said yes. Okay. Yeah. I said, of course it is all right to ask for help. I mean, and that is part of advocacy, mm-hmm. asking for help. And asking for help takes really good communication skills. It does. So talk me through it. Ooh, okay, you put me on the spot there. I like doing that. I know. I, he, he does like doing that. Mm. So self-advocacy, well, advocacy in general, put really simply, is is standing up for yourself. It's knowing your rights and it's asking for them to be respected. Self-advocacy is doing that yourself. And I think that takes a level of assertive communication skills. It takes confidence. Mm-hmm. But it's very, very important, particularly, as I referred to before, that people with a disability can be marginalised and sometimes our rights aren't respected, whether it's deliberate or not. And the part that you touched on there before, just um, it does take confidence. You know, Mm -hmm. I respect and I understand it's not always easy to Mm -hmm. ask for help. There are times, um, even when I feel a little intimidated in going up and asking someone for help, you know, if you're out in the general public Mm -hmm. or, you know, if the person that you're um, needing to talk to is a Mm -hmm. person of importance or something like that, you know, and you Mm -hmm. think, oh, goodness me, I'm not sure if I can ask that. Shyness? Um, I don't know if you ever. You know, oh, absolutely. Yes, when I was younger, I was definitely a little yeah. bit shyer than I am now. And, you know, and I guess that confidence, the building of that confidence comes... With practice. With, yeah, practice and time. So I guess, you know, now I'm talking at the moment not so much to the parents on, you know, if there's a child listening, I guess I'm saying to you, if you do feel a little bit shy or a little bit non-confident or inconfident about, you know, coming up and, and asking someone for help, don't stress, don't, don't worry, because I'm sure that most of us have been through that. But a little bit of practice and a little bit of, um, I guess, just, just smaller steps, mm. it'll get you there. Absolutely, smaller steps. So I would always suggest if you find something really daunting, then take a step back from it and do something a little less daunting that's in the same line. So for example, if you feel that you can't self-advocate with one of your teachers where you need them to do something for you and you just feel that you don't have the confidence to do it, You've got the option there of practicing with your mum and dad at home, sort of Hmm. go through the way that you would ask your teacher or practice advocating with your parents or practice advocating with a really good friend and then just step that up until you're comfortable to advocate with the person that you really need to. I know I've been in tricky situations where I've gone to, say, a restaurant with uh, a friend of mine Mm. and it's only their friends that are there. And sometimes it's a little bit daunting if your friend's busy or they've disappeared Mm. for a couple of seconds and you really need to go to the toilet and you're like, oh, I don't know anybody here. Do Mm. I really ask? But sometimes, you know, you just have to, you you know, and I've had to say to one of them before, could you help me to the toilet, please? Mm. Pretty please. You know, I have to go. So yeah, it's not always easy. It's It's definitely not always easy. And I'm wondering what you would do to make it easier. 
I guess I, I really don't know. Um, I guess for me, it's just that realization that look, I really need to go to the toilet, and mm. I can't wait anymore. And I know if I get up and try and find it myself in this busy, crowded restaurant with a lot of noise, there's a chance I'm going to bang into it. That's right. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Or end up out in the the street or mm. somewhere like that. You know, and knocking over waiters and knocking mm. into tables and that. So I guess in those situations, you got to sum it up and go. There's a need here. Yeah. And what I was kind of angling for there is something that Ryan often does to self-advocate is actually to use humour. An example that I'm going to give, which yes. you may or may not like, is oh, once I was at a party mm-hmm. and Ryan was there and he was looking for someone and I'd heard him call out their name, but obviously they hadn't heard. So Ryan stood up on the table, clapped his hands and yelled out, where are you? And that poor, poor person (laughs) came to him quite quickly. And it was a very, very funny thing to do, but Ryan got what he needed. He got the person's Mm, attention. I did, yes. And he got a lot of, he got actually everybody's attention. Well, I did, yes. So not everyone wants to jump (laughs) off on a table, but the point being you can use humour to get what you need and to get included. Yeah. And humour does work, though. Um, I mean, you know, you, in my situation where I say my friends disappeared and mm. I've only got their friends who I haven't really met before, this is the first time, you know, just tapping one of them on the shoulder and saying, you know, it would not look really good if there suddenly was a big puddle under my oh. chair or under this table. Could you please just show me where the toilet is? You know, so sometimes... I think things like yeah. that definitely Make it help. Make worth their while yes. to help you out. Yeah, absolutely. With advocacy, though, there's a right and a wrong way to go about it. I think standing up and stamping my foot and raising mm. my voice and getting really loud and obnoxious, um, how's that going to help me? It's not going to help you at all. So getting aggressive just turns people away and it turns people off. And in a broader way, it actually brings the whole, bring, brings us all into disrepute in a way. So I feel personally like I have somewhat of a responsibility, not only to myself to get my needs met, but also to represent a whole community community really well. And that is through really clear, assertive communication and certainly not through aggression. Even if you might feel really frustrated and angry, put it away, deal with it, communicate assertively. I'm glad you uh, mentioned that at the end there, because that was my next question for you was about that, that, you know, that after all this time, you've really worked up to asking the question, Mm -hmm. but, you know, you're getting rather frustrated, rather annoyed. Mm -hmm. And and all you do want to do is shout, but putting that down, locking it away for a little while until you've got your needs met. Mm -hmm. And then you can let it out later at home. Or as I say to a lot of the kids, ring me, shout at Ryan, he doesn't mind. Let it out to Ryan, not to the general That's right, because that doesn't always help you. And you'll often find with a bit of humour, a smile Mm -hmm. and a lot of praise and thanks Mm -hmm. that not only will people help you with what you needed, but they'll generally go that extra mile as well. Absolutely. I think in general, people love to help other people. So if we can ask them to do it, they actually find it quite a privilege and then we get what we need. And going back to what we were talking about last time, just catching taxis, Ubers, any ride-sharing vehicles and things like that, even there, sometimes you can advocate for yourself when you're in there when you've Mm -hmm. arrived at your destination and say, look, I really haven't been here before. Um, this is my first time here. I have no idea where the reception door is or you know, where the, the front door entry is. Could you please show me or help me uh, most of the way? You know, most of the times I've found if you're nice like that and really polite about it, they'll actually walk you up to the reception counter mm-hmm. and they'll get you to where you need to go. You know, I've even had a taxi driver at the airport say to me, yeah, just wait there. And he's gone and got the security at the airport. And then they've come and grabbed me and they've walked me through to the counter where I needed to be. And VIP. 
treatment. Well, absolutely. Yeah, you do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, this was in the middle of Sydney. I'd never been to this airport before. It was all new. So, but it got me to where I needed to be and, and I was happy. So, well done. Yeah, thanks. Nice you know. work. Well, you know, it goes a long way. It can get, you can open doors being a good self advocator. Absolutely. Is that, is that the right word to say, advocator? Ad- I think so. Do you? Yes. Are you laughing at me? A little bit. Um, <laughs> and I'm also laughing at the fact that this is actually called the blind argument. And we've not we argued. We haven't argued. <laughs> so we're going to work on that for next yes, time. Please. Um, but look, we're, we're coming to the end of uh, this week's show, but um, we really would like to hear what you'd like us to talk about. So info at visibility.com.au. That's info at visibility.com.au. And uh, Davinia and I would love to debate or talk or just chat about anything you want us to chat about. doesn't matter if you're a child, doesn't matter if you're a parent, a teenager, anything like that. We don't mind. Send we'll us. To you. We we'll will. We'll communicate. Will we? Yes. Great. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Bye.